0: I do hope you can not only sing that truth, but you can uh, say that truth. Sometimes we sing it because everybody else is singing it. But for us to say uh, that it is well with our soul, even through difficult times, even through uh, trying times, even through wearying times, we can say because of Jesus. Um, It it is well with our souls. I remember hearing once in a class that faith is, um, uh, trials are not an obstacle to faith, but rather they're an opportunity for faith. And I I truly believe as the church of Jesus Christ that that our faith grows most through trying times, through times of sorrow, through times of hardship, through times of suffering. Uh, As Matt spoke from James 1, it works in us a perseverance, it works in us a maturity, it works in us a a purifying effect uh, if we will allow it uh, by God's grace and through his spirit uh, to not be an obstacle to faith but an opportunity for uh, faith. It's a joy to be able to have a share an opportunity to share with you uh, this morning. I was not planning on having an opportunity to share with you uh, this morning, but I have an opportunity to open open god 's word and I uh, as I thought uh, in, in preparation of just what would be good to share this morning uh, be a little briefer a little bit more maybe devotional a little bit more of my heart i 'll put out there for you this morning and uh, hopefully you will resonate and hear what i 'm saying from god 's word but I, I read a devotional i 'm going to be speaking from a little bit this morning uh, from Paul Tripp come uh, let us adore Him. And, and one of the verses in Scripture just really struck me and has been with me, uh, has been a great encouragement to me, and I pray it will be for you. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me uh, to the book of Second Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be in the fifth chapter, and we are going to uh, look at the 15th verse. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in front of you, and um, uh, that is on page 966, I believe. But Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, The verse this morning will be verse 15, but just for context, let me read verse 14, and I will be kind of sharing. I'll be preaching from verse 15 this morning, Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Hear that 15th verse again. And he, Christ, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. May God grant us understanding of this, his word. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord, would you help us in just these few moments? Uh, to set our minds and set our thoughts, set our affections, not on our circumstances, but on your word this morning. Would you help us to heed your spoken word this morning? Would you give us eyes to see it? Would you give us hearts that are hungry and desiring to receive it, to be refreshed, to be encouraged in your word? Would you cause it to be so Would you instruct us this morning? Would you encourage us this morning? Would you convict us of sin and convince us of righteousness this morning? Lord, if it will happen, it will only happen because you do it. So we declare our dependence upon you now. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Have your way with us. Work mightily in and through us. Accomplish your great redeeming purposes in and through the hearts and souls of your people and accomplish your glorious work in our lives for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So how was your Christmas? You found yourself asking that this past week. I don't know about you, but it just seems like an easy question. It feels like the whole last Sunday I I stood out, So, so how was your Christmas? And, and people have asked me that this week, and I have an opportunity to respond to that, but I've found myself at work. I work as a physical therapist all week, and just on Monday, a lot of people came in and just kind of, well, how was your Christmas? And, and people respond probably just kind of, well, great, how was yours? And we kind of respond back, well, great. And that kind of dissolves the conversation. So some people might get a little more honest and just say it was just, it was, it was hectic. It was, it was really, really busy. I'm, I'm glad it's over. Might be somebody's response. So, how was your Christmas? By God's grace, uh, there's a few of you, and I think maybe one of you is here this morning. There was a couple of you last Sunday. It was it was the Sunday after Christmas, and I was standing in the back, and you asked me how my Christmas was, and it was as the windows. God just gives me grace, and and I told him honestly how my Christmas was. And I said that it was, it was rough. It was a struggle. It was it was it was a battle. I spent a lot of time, and I spent a lot of energy, and I and I spent a lot of money. My mind is very fatigued from many things, and my body is very fatigued. And quite honestly, I had a really divided heart this Christmas. Quite honestly, I recognized in many ways, it wasn't a celebration of Christ for me. But it really became difficult and hard, and I used the word Christless. I didn't tend There were many times in devotions, and I read two books, and I I daily was in God's word by His grace, and and there there were lots of good things. But if I have to stop back and, and evaluate, what is it that we're celebrating? We are celebrating the greatest event that's ever taken place in human history. Christmas. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus Christ coming into the world. Now there has to be a Good Friday, and there has to be an Easter Sunday, and they're all right, and we could argue most significant. We are celebrating God coming into the world in a person. Emmanuel, God with us. And, 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 and at Christmas, this is a, is a time that is a celebration, and I'm not trying to create some awesome thing, but to really assess how was my Christmas? It was really about me. It was a lot about me. It was way too much about me and very little about Jesus, about honoring him with my thoughts, about glorifying him with my life, about delighting in him in a special way as his glory shines and and ways in which we can kind of see. So I just got kind of honest and I got kind of real and some of you had to deal with that out back. I don't know what you did with it on the way uh, down the steps and even at work. I shared with some people and just kind of got honest and just kind of put it out there and saw where the conversation would lead and we were able to discuss a little bit back and forth. Uh, I was sharing with the youth at, at Impact. Uh, we had a Christmas party with the youth uh, at Impact, and we had a wonderful, fun night. But I did uh, share from God's Word uh, that night. I don't know if I used this verse. I, wasn't, I don't remember what verse I used, but I did use this story. I shared an illustration with the youth, and I was driving over that night, and I didn't have kind of really story to kind of, you know, just where my, 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 my thoughts and my devotion, my message was kind of going. And on the way over, I just kind of thought of this random story. I'm going to share it with you this morning, uh, a story. And Cole is here. Uh, so there's a room full of high school students, and I needed a person. Uh, for my story, and it's a fictional story, but, but Cole is, was there, and Cole's a senior, and, and he's my last Hughes that's going through the line of four Hugheses that I've had the privilege of being kind of an impact ministering and knowing these young men uh, as they have grown up. So, I just picked on Cole that night, and I, and I, I started my devotion by saying this. Say it was Christmas Eve, and, 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 and right before Jason uh, brings the message on Christmas Eve, we took a Christmas offering. And, and, and we weren't kind of planning, and Cole was sitting in the back, and somebody tapped Cole, and was saying, hey, would you collect the offering? He gives him the baskets, and Cole comes up here and collects the Christmas offering on Christmas Eve. And, and and as he's kind of passing the baskets, these baskets are just filling up with lots of cash. It was a good crowd, and there's lots of cash filling up these, these baskets, and, and Cole just gets this thought, you know, I, I've been praying to God about my circumstances, and I've been praying to God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this Christmas, and I'm, fictional story. You know, my truck's kind of broken down, and it needs some repairs, and I've got some some gifts that I I need to kind of buy, and Mr. Bowers hasn't had the work that, that we kind of normally had, and I'm kind of lean on money. I've been asking God about some of the stress. Maybe God's trying to provide for my needs through this offering. And the offering's being collected, and it kind of goes through. A fictional story. He's kind of going through, and and before Cole hands the, the baskets back. He kind of takes a few 20s and takes a few 50s and just kind of tucks them in and pops them. And the Lord has provided for Cole's need at Christmas. And he hands the baskets to Scott or whoever's in the back and he sits down and just relishes in how the Lord provides. So I turned to the students and I said, what do you think of that? You know, what do you think of that? And it's good. It was nice. There was Cole there. We can make it just personal and just kind of go on that. Well, they, it didn't take long. They're angry, they're frustrated. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Somebody said, "Yeah, that's that's robbing from the church. You're stealing from the church." It went beyond that. That's evil. That's that's a wicked thing to do. Somebody off to the side kind of said, "You're not robbing from the church. You're robbing from God." And so I let it just kind of sink, sit there for a minute, and I said. That's how it can be sometimes at Christmas when we make Christmas all about us, all about our glory. Christmas is filled with such wonder and such glory and such beauty in Jesus, inexhaustible. Our minds, this side of eternity, cannot comprehend the significance of Christ coming at Christmas. And then we take Christmas and we make it all about us and we rob and we steal from Christ. God's glory. I just want to share with you this morning. I just want to be real. Is there hope for people like me? Is there hope for people in our world that this past Christmas, maybe you can resonate with some of the things. Is there hope for for people like me who have found themselves making another in America? We got to be honest. Man, I made Christmas all about me. And it wasn't much about God. I want us just to look for just a few moments in this text because there's real hope for us here. There's been incredible encouragement for me and incredible hope for me here this morning. And I want to share just two things and then just a real light application at the end. Two things I want to share is this. I want us to look at what we've done. We got to take just a moment and we need to look at what we've done. We need to look at what Christ has done. And then I want to just kind of make some applications from this text. So let's, let me just return to this text for just a second uh, as we would start. What, what have we done? And, and, and our text reads that, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. It's this, th- those who would no longer live for themselves, that that's what we've done. That Christ came and Christ died so that we would no longer live for ourselves. And what was revealed to me by God's goodness and by God's grace is just how selfish we can be. And I read a devotional. I share with you this devotional. I read a devotional that just kind of captured for it. And this captured for me in such a good way. This is good for my soul. If you stay with me, this is good for our souls to hear. Paul Tripp in this devotional, um, uh, come let us adore him. He writes about this. What's my problem? It's sin. And you know what I do? I choose to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. He has transformed and changed my heart. He has made me a son of the living God. He has put his Holy Spirit in me. Sin no longer has final say in my life anymore. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I'm slave to righteousness. But I sin. And Tripp helped me to see my sin. And maybe Tripp will help you to see your sin just a little differently. It's good, brothers and sisters, when we see this. Tripp writes, sin draws us away from God's glory toward our glory. Sin pulls us away from God's kingdom and produces in us an obsessive allegiance to our little kingdom of one. Sin makes us less concerned about what God wants and more concerned about what we want. Sin causes us to be more excited about our personal plans than we are about the things that God has planned for us. Sin makes us more focused on our feelings than we are about God's will. Here's what sin does. It causes each of us to place ourselves in the center of our worlds and make our lives all about us. So we always feel the need to be in control we hate it if we're not healthy. We can't cope if we're not surrounded by people who like and respect us. We want life to be predictable and easy. We, we, we don't want obstacles in our way or suffering of any kind in our path. So, because we can't control any of these things, we are perennially unhappy with life and sadly often unhappy with God. You see, Our problem is not just that we live in a broken world and that its brokenness enters our doors. Beneath that reality is a much deeper problem. We have a glory problem. We have preferred living for ourselves over living for something and someone bigger than ourselves. In our marriages, in our parenting, in our work, in our friendships, and in our church, we have made life all about us. We have tended to reduce the active field of our concern down to the tiny confines of our wants, our needs, our plans, our satisfaction, and our happiness. It's not wrong to want some control, or to want to be right, or to like beautiful possessions, or to be surrounded by a community of love. But it's wrong and spiritually dangerous for those things to rule your heart. One last thing, and this is the one that got me. Let me give you an example by asking a rather intrusive question. How much of your anger in the last two months had anything whatsoever to do with God's call, his kingdom, and his glory? You see, if we're honest, we're not angry because the people around us are breaking God's law. We're angry because they're breaking our law. They get in the way of what we want and what we think we need. Brothers and sisters, that was just a good word for me. That's not a, because of Jesus, that's not a condemning word. That's a word that's helping me see my sin for what it is. 30 years of walking with Jesus, 29 years of pastoring God's people, and I still struggle, and I still sin, and I still come to the glorious celebration of Christmas, and I make it all about me. And sometimes I need to realize this battle that I am, that it's two kingdoms. And I've been delivered from one kingdom into God's kingdom through the shed blood of Jesus. But I still sin. And I need to see what my sin is so that I might recognize it and acknowledge it and confess it. So the first thing we need to see is, is, is um, um, what we have done. And, and my little expression of that, if, if I made Christmas all about me, I can make 2022 all about me. We live in a society who's spending billions of dollars for me to buy it and to do it. And we need to fight. In the power of the Spirit, we need to fight. But brothers and sisters, I have good news for you. That's not the the end of the story. That's what we've done. But I need to remind you this morning from this text of what God has done. And He died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died. And was raised. I, 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 I kind of uh, uh, don't enjoy and relish and delight in God's glory. But I, I, I delight and I enjoy and I relish in maybe created things. And, and Christmas just is, I, I don't want to lift a day up. I don't want to lift a celebration above and beyond. 365 days a year, God has made himself fully available to us uh, through faith in Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But there is an intimacy. There is, a, there is a meaningful, significant, tangible expression of the glory of God at Christmas. It is personal. It's, it, it's, if you will, it's in your face in a good way. As we ponder what God has done at, at Christmas, there is a glory. When I speak of glory, the glory of God is take all of God's perfections. His perfect character, his perfect attributes. His perfect holiness, His perfect righteousness, His perfect justice. Mingled with His perfect mercy and His perfect grace and His perfect love. And we can go on and on of the characteristics and, and put that on display for all to see and to delight in and worship. That's what I mean by the glory of God. It's the most valuable one in, in all the universe, that God would put his glory on display for us to do it. And I want to say at Christmas, there is a unique time where we can see the partic- particular aspects of God's glory in a very special way. And that's where I say, where I live a very Christless Christmas, I have missed an incredible opportunity to encounter Jesus and, and love Jesus and worship Jesus and know him in, in a profound way. And one of the things that it speaks from this text, it says that he died. He died. And we don't think about that at, at Christmas. And just as I read this text, it just became a little bit clearer to me. Twice in this text, he, he died for all. He, he died and was raised. Well, we don't speak about his death at, at Christmas. But even there, it, it's there at Christmas. What's the declaration to, of the angels to, to the shepherds that night? I, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. This is it. This is the mission. He's a savior. I've spoke with unbelieving people who know that Jesus Christ is the savior. Totally unbelieving. Totally disregard the Christian faith and everything. They know that Jesus is a savior. We walk around malls and they sing the songs and no one seems offended that Jesus, that's what he came to do. He came to rescue. He came to save us, what, from our sin. How can this baby born, how can this baby laying in a manger be the savior of the world? The shepherds come. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This Jesus is a savior. This Jesus would not be limited to this one instance in time, but he would go on and live that life that I do not live. He would fulfill a righteousness that none of us fulfill. None of us are righteous before God. He would fulfill that. And by believing in him, he would credit that same righteousness as us. And he would die for our sins as a substitute for our sins. We see it even more as he would come to Simeon right after the Christmas story. And, and, and Mary and Joseph doing what was right to bring him to be dedicated at the temple. and Simeon had been of a promise from God that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And, G- and Simeon led of the Holy Spirit, he, he kind of comes up to, to the temple that day, and there's Mary, and there's Joseph and there's the child. He knows immediately. And he takes that stop. He takes that child and holds that this is intimate. I just think of being with Jesus and touching the hem of his garment and maybe feeling his embrace. He holds his salvation. I can go and rest in peace. For my eyes have been, I'm holding my salvation. I got to believe he knew there was a greater problem than being freed from Rome. I believe this prophet, this righteous man, knew he needed more than Jesus to come and fix Rome and get Israel back up to the years of King David. He knew he had a problem deep down inside that he needed to be saved from and rescued from. There is great beauty in, even at the birth of Jesus that speaks to his, his glory, the mingling of his justice and his mercy for us. Three wise men would come. Three pagan sages would come, and they would bring gifts to Jesus. They would bring gold, and he's, he's kingly. It's right to bring gold to this king, because he is king of kings and lord of lords. They brought frankincense, and he is the great high priest. He is the one high priest. He is the one mediator between man and God. He is going to priest like no other priest we read about in Hebrews. Oh yes, it's right to bring him frankincense. Myrrh. Why myrrh? What's myrrh? And myrrh is this 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 embalming spice. What's that got to do with this beautiful coming of Jesus into the world? It's a foretaste. His mission is to come and die. His mission, his condensation, his his coming down is not merely to be a baby and not merely to live, but it's it's to die. And and these, these spices, these embalming spices remind us of the mission of Jesus is to come and to die and to deal with our sin. Brothers and sisters, this is love. Not that we love God because we don't, but that God loved us. And he sent his son, this baby, to be, to be a propitiation for our sins. To not only bear our sins on the cross, but to bear on the cross what our sins deserve. An, an eternal punishment, an eternal hell. On the cross, Jesus would bear our sins. He died for all. And brothers and sisters, this is exceedingly good news. Because he died for my crappy Christmas. He died for my sins. He died for my my glory thieving acts throughout a Christmas season that will linger into 2022. And all he bids is that I would come and believe this. All he bids is that I would confess my sins and know that he is faithful and he is just and he is kind and he is good to forgive my sins and wash me. Clean. I can stand before you today, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, simply by confessing my sin to Him. Why? Because He came at Christmas. Because He came with a mission that was to deal with our sins. And when He does that, no guilt, no shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan might want to tell me something. Someone up the street and say, you're a lousy Christian. And there's some ways on the outside they might be right. But the truth of the Bible and the truth of this text says that he died for all who would believe. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died. What manner of love? And that's what probably struck me the most. I can be so loveless. And the love of God is put on display at Christmas. And again, such a tangible, such a significant, such an intimate way. And I can be so loveless. But as again, we confess, as we repent, as we ask, as we seek the grace to again believe, no condemnation. Our sins are forgiven. We are washed and cleansed, and we need not return to our sinful ways of living because he can empower us by his Holy Spirit. That's what we've done. That's kind of just briefly what he did. And then the call is just there. The call for us is, is to no longer live for themselves. That's God's plan for me for 2022. You might write down something else and I'm going to preach in a couple weeks on something else that I would speak about, but you want to know what God's plan for you is for 2022? Is he'd set you free from yourself. You'd stop living for yourself. And you begin to live for him in ways new ways. New new outworking of God's goodness and God's grace in our lives. Christians are never perpetually stuck in any ruts. He sets us free through forgiveness and through repentance and and through faith. Our circumstances might not change. Our circumstances might get worse. But he sets us free. The the good news of his coming and dying is to to liberate us from the, the bondage of sin that we don't have to continue in those ways. And we can experience his cleansing, we can experience his forgiveness, and we can, empowered by his spirit, uh, no longer live for ourselves. I had so many things I I wanted to say, and I'm I'm not going to, maybe I'll say one. Uh, Just thinking yesterday, just putting these thoughts together uh, yesterday of just one way in 2022 that would... Uh, I, I believe, would be a means by which God would, would, would uh, work um, as I would think of praying for us as a congregation and uh, just a specific, specific area where maybe some of you would struggle. I want to share with you my struggle, and maybe you can resonate with this as we go. Uh, my two points were going to be start and stop. I'm just going to probably do the start point, so it's not going to make much sense to just say start, but it was start and stop. So, start's the, the point that I was, how, how we start our day. And just real life. We all live. We all got to go, go through our days, and we all got to go to bed at night, we all got to wake up in the morning. So, life is kind of real. How, how will we start our days in 2021? And I got to say, there's a lot of temptation here. Because the very first thing, sometimes when we wake up, we might go right to a cell phone and and maybe we're just checking the time and maybe we're just checking our alarm, but then it just turns into a a sundry of just reading and going. And that's how we've chosen to start our day. We might start our day here, me. I, I haven't even fully become conscious, and I've thrown the door wide open to my day. All the thoughts. All the things that need to be done, all the responsibilities, all the pains, and all the sorrows from yesterday, I just let them come flooding on in. And before I even turn and get my feet on the ground, I'm discouraged, I'm I'm burdened. You know? It's a simple thing. How will we start our days? And I want to say before caffeine and before shower and before we brush our teeth and, and, and surely before we maybe look at our phones, might God use the proclamation of His Word on Sunday morning? Might God use the gathering of men and the gathering of women and the the gathering of life groups and people texting people and people emailing and people calling people and people getting together over coffee and whatever to speak God's word and impart God's grace. And maybe simply as I just got kind of, that all these things that God would be doing in his life that we would, because it's a battle. He would do all those things that when we would awaken, what would be on our part. My wife is, is very good. She, she tells me this many, many times. And it's, it's good theology. It's not in the Bible, but it's good to... This is not my day. She has told me that many times. And I don't heed it as much as I could. It's not my day. And we need to realize at the beginning, it's not our day. It's not our week. It's not our life. It's His. He he created us for His glory. The Westminster Catechism is just so, the chief end of man, woman, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. And we're living for a whole lot of other things than that. The chief end is you're still going to go to work. You're still going to cut the grass. You're still going to just spend all day with two, three, four, five kids. You may never leave your house. And your one end today is to glorify God. And to enjoy him forever. And most of us are assaulted before we even get our consciousness. Before we're even aware. And I'd probably say one you'd little good if it's a strategy or it's a word of encouragement. And I hate to just kind of get into some just really just, okay, just do what Pastor Jeff said on that Sunday. No. But I would just say to realize that would come flooding to our minds is not all that day, but we would have the Word of God so uh, brazened upon our our hearts that that we would be quick to go to, I do Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live this life I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I need to hear that 365 days a year because I forget it, 365 days a year. That I am crucified with Christ and it is no longer about Jeff Crispin. But it's about God. And it's about His great redeeming purposes in my life. And Jeff, I give you blessing and blessing, privilege of privileges. You get a chance to go and put that on display for people to see. How are people going to see me? They're not going to come and gather at a manger like the shepherds did and behold Jesus in that way. But through my church, I'm going to put my glory on display. Not through people who are perfect and have it all together. But people that are dependent, wholly dependent upon me and upon my grace in their lives and the empowerment of my spirit that they would go forth and live authentic, genuine lives uh, 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 of, of before others to God's glory. Uh, um, another one that I'm just reminded of often, um, and I, I want to quote it because I, I, I don't know it offhand. Acts chapter 20, verse, verse 24 My wife already knows because it's another one she hits me with regularly and we put this on many greeting cards. But I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, do you realize you've been given a ministry? It's not eldering, it's not deaconing, it's not teaching a Sunday school class necessarily. (coughs) We've all been given a ministry. Paul's ministry was to be an apostle and to go proclaim. We've all been given a ministry. And that ministry is to go in word and deed and testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's why my feet are going on the, foot, on the floor in the morning. That's why they're headed to the shower. That's why they're eventually going to show up at work. Then they're going to eventually come home. And in the midst of that, there's just many, many, many opportunities We can just ask God and and, and seek God's leading and seek God's directions and find ways that God is working more and more to bring glory to His Son, our Savior Jesus, through the lives and through the words that we share with others. We all have a ministry. And it's all to just testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I am so thankful that Jesus came and the Word of God says He died for all. So that those who live, me, you, us, may no longer live for themselves because it's miserable. It's, it's only as God would help us to show us, as we, it, it is, it's just miserable. But as we would begin to live for his great kingdom purposes in our lives, we would cherish his word together. His word would be near and dear. We would hide his word in his heart that we might not sin against him. We would recognize that, that oftentimes we can have this propensity to steal, rob God's glory. And, and we're continually asking God to show that, to reveal that to us. That was my point, stop. And we would stop in those moments and, and ask for help and assistance. And we would confess our sin before him. But 2002 lies ahead of us, and I do pray that verses such as these will be near and dear to our hearts. We will be especially mindful of what we have done. It's not a bad thing. It's not a condemning thing. It's not a guilt-producing. It's not a shame-producing thing for me anymore because of Jesus. I feel it. I'm sorrowful for it. I'm going to speak in two weeks. I hate it. I'm not proud of it, but you humbly confess it, and you bring it to the Lord. He died for all that those who live might not live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died and was raised. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Great you are, dear Lord, and great leader be praised. We sing all all glory be to Christ our King, all glory be to Christ. His rule, his reign will ever sing, all glory be to Christ. Apart from you, we can do nothing but because of Christmas, because of the perfect life of our Savior Jesus, because of his death on a cross, atoning for our sin, a substitute for our sin and and the wrath that we deserved, rising triumphant, victorious over the grave, we have great hope this morning. Lord, I pray this message would be received in um, in that way, that we just see there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have made every provision available for us. Even when we steal your glory. Even when there's such spectacular joy to to enjoy and to rejoice in and to celebrate. Even when we forsake you in those moments. By your grace and the work of your spirit, you cause us to turn. And we can confess, we can repent of our sin. And by grace, receive fresh outworkings of your grace. Even to the point we can look back. I can look back and thank you. We don't sin so that grace may abound, but we can look back and see Your work, and I can see facets of Your mercy and Your kindness at Christmas that maybe I wouldn't have seen otherwise. You can even do that in our hearts and lives, and Lord God, I'm so thankful for it. So would You continue to be powerfully at work among this congregation, accomplishing Your great redeeming purposes that we would indeed uh, bear witness uh, to the uh, the love, the mercy, the justice, the kindness. Of our Savior Jesus and all that we do. Receive the glory we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.